in wings in today's episode of my way if there is righteousness in the heart there will be beauty in the character if there's beauty in the character there will be harmony in the home if there's harmony in the home there will be order in the nation when there is order in the nation there will be peace in the world hello and welcome to the new episode of my way my way is all about celebrating the journeys of people and the life experiences they have gathered throughout those journeys and how those life experiences have shaped them over the years right and today we have a guest who is fit more than fit for uh, our podcast we are here today to share the story of vivian nguyen yes welcome yeah. to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah usually harsha we say like the career choreograph is non linear they people expect it to be linear but usually it turns out to be quite non linear and not so straightforward women's story is also something like that it's there are a lot of ups and downs and you know breaking stereotypes give a quick intro about yeah. this, what you're doing right now and then we can go ahead with how it all started okay Hi Harsha and Bilal I'm yeah I'm thanks for for bringing me here and um as you already know me I'm Vivian Wen and I work in construction for almost 10 years now been to Canada for almost 14 years and um yeah I came from the Philippines moved here in 2008 with uh, my two children and my husband my then husband and um started life here as like immigrants and just like every immigrant we went through a lot of struggles but but life in the Philippines have taught me how to um taught me that skill on how to be resilient and just have to keep going until you get better like you just have to be come a better version of yourself all the time every time you get to the point where you feel you're comfortable just keep pushing i just keep pushing my boundaries so i can become a better ver- version of myself so life in the philippines was never easy for me because um my parents um separated when i was 9 years old and there's six of us siblings our youngest brother was just less than 1 month old then when my mother abandoned us and she left us with our father with my father i think she just had so much i don't really fully understand up to this up to now and why how she was able to abandon her children because i could never do that like i can like do all the struggles and do everything for my children but i would never ever leave them behind but um i think that experience also helped me become who i am right now and so i uh my father would work the way he works is that he worked today to provide for our food for the following day if he doesn't work today we would have nothing to eat the following day so like things like that but he never he kept telling us that we have to keep going to school that's education is 
our key or our weapon to fight. And then after I finished elementary, I stopped going to school and did work like a housemaid, a house helper. So I went to a different town and I worked there because uh, my, my father already told me that in order for us to get away from poverty, we have to go to school. So he wanted me to stop schooling, get a job, work and support my sister. After she's done, then she would have to support me and so on and so forth. But I didn't believe that because I didn't trust my sister. So I keep like, I said, no, I'm not doing that. So, but I still start, I didn't went to high school right away after elementary. I went to get a job as like a housemaid and then but I worked for a couple who's like, they're both teachers and then I, I love to read. So I just like, if there's spare books everywhere, I would just keep reading. And then, um, so that's how I helped myself and then seeing them and having that, that thought that my father keep telling us to like continue going to school and all that, I decided to, yeah, I'm going back to school. So, and then, so I went to high school. I still went to public school, but public school then was very good. You have to take an exam for them to assign you to a class because they would because there's so many students. They would want to make sure like the cream of the crop would be in one classroom. So I was lucky to be one of those cream of the crop, I guess. So yeah, I got very good um, educational training and all of that. I have this group of friends because we were selected students. So we've been classmates since first year high school until fourth year. So on fourth year, in senior years, um, two of my classmates helped me so that I could get scholarships so I can continue on post-secondary school. So one of my classmates offered me to go to the University of the Philippines. That's the most prestigious university in, in the Philippines. Like it's in Manila, but I live in Davao, uh, which is Southern. But an another friend also offered me that her mom has a connection to one of the schools. And she said, take the exam here and see what you can do. So I have to wait. I wanted to go in a prestigious school, very good school, and I can still get scholarship. I want to stay here in my province where I can be around my family and uh, start from there. So um, I don't think I can leave. I can be away from my father then and my younger siblings. So I decided to take the offer that is just within our province, but it's like three hours away from where I live. So I was able to complete and the, the, uh, the four year, uh, the Bachelor of Science in Fisheries for four years, I maintained my full scholarship for the entire duration. And then after I graduated, my father passed away. So I was 24 years old. I just finished high, uh, college and then he passed away. So I got siblings who's like 20 and my brother was like early teen, teenage years. I think he was 14. And the school that I graduated from, they offered me the job to be like one of the, uh, the, the instructors. Like, and uh, that was a big subject? Uh, fisheries. So then, uh, because the school was still small, it's just developing, they wanted to to improve and develop more, they get funding from the government and they have this scholarship offer to send their existing uh, faculty or teaching staff 
to get a master's. Um, so I was able to get one. So I was still fully employed. I got all my benefit as an employee and I was sent to a different province to take this um, master's program. So I took Swiss Marine Biodiversity. So I did that. That was the point of my life where I met my husband, my then husband. So um, so I was still going to school. I was supporting my, my, my younger siblings and I got pregnant. So I was in school doing my marine biodiversity pregnant. So I would like go to the field because we have expedition where you go to like beaches or wherever and you do scuba diving and you do your your laboratory. And I was very pregnant. I was doing that, but I, I was still able to do it. It was lots of fun. Quick thing before we move on to the rest of your story, I have a really important question to ask. So at a very early age, you were exposed to different kind of adversities and challenges, right? So where did you draw your energy from to deal with those adversities and uh, challenges? Uh, is it some person that you drew that energy from or give throw some light on that? That's a very good question because I always think that it just comes natural to me. Like to me, that's just how people survive. That's also the confusion because nowadays like you have to have an inspiration to pull like to me it's just like that's just who i am and then and also maybe now that you mentioned that maybe because of the words that my father have taught me like you have we have very difficult life you have just have to keep pushing and get your edu- get educated and get become better and also i should not forget i have strong faith in god I know that it's not something that that uh, people nowadays believe because of science and all discoveries that they say, like people would say that God doesn't exist because they have all this, whether he exists or not, it doesn't matter to me. Because to me, spiritually or deep within me, I draw, I think I get my strength from my faith that someone greater than me exists, that I can, like, there's someone greater than me, and he's greater than everything that I'm facing right now. Thank you so much for that answer. I think that summarized uh, very well what an individual is capable of, right? It doesn't matter what kind of adversity one is faced, if you have the faith in yourself and your abilities, you can just push through everything that is thrown at you, right? So yeah, like thank now, you so much for that answer. <laughs> like nowadays they say, like Sita said, like everything is, uh, we need a motivation nowadays. So it's either a give and take, like I do this, I'll get this. But sometimes it's just, you know, helping out your family, surviving. Yeah. Let, let's get back to your story then. So it's 1998 and uh, you have a son uh, now and what happens next? My husband, he was struggling with his business as well. And then he has to move to a different province, which is Cebu. Uh, it's still in, in the Philippines, but it's like central Philippines. So he moved there when my son was still, I think he was still six months old. So he was working there doing his business uh, with um, another friend of his. I went back to work full time with my son. And then my younger brother or youngest brother was staying with with me. So he was taking care of my son. So my son still has that father figure, although 
uh, he's away because we only meet each other when there's like special occasions like birthday, Christmas or semestral break. I got pregnant again. I gave birth to my daughter in 2000. And then after I gave birth to my daughter, that's when he said that he's he can support us then that I should like move with him in Cebu so we can have our family like united and staying together. So, so I have to give up, sacrificed my career. I was doing okay. And I, I was looking for an opportunity to go to Japan or Australia to get my PhD because there's that opportunity and then offer to do that by but I have to turn my back on that because I wanted family is still very important to me. So that's all that matters to me. So I left my job and went to, uh, to Cebu where he, my husband stayed. And, but then I got a job there is called the Bureau of Fisheries and Aquatic Resources is a government agency in the Philippines who manages aquatic resources. And you know, Philippines is an archipelago. So there's so much resources, vast areas to cover. So I was doing that and I was in the training division. But during this time, keep in mind, I already, I still have my younger brother who lives with me. So they will still take care of my kids. And my, I have my younger sister so my daughter would sleep with my sister. Like that's all she sees all every day because I was away. And then if I, I would tell my sister to, she can move away and she can transfer so I can sleep with my daughter. And then my daughter would wake up in the middle of the night and look at who he, she was sleeping with. And when she sees me and that's not my sister, she would start crying. She would just cry all night. So. It just broke my heart because like I'm I'm here for the family and then I sacrifice already sacrificed a bunch of things for my career for my family but it's not how I wanted it to be so and yeah and then my husband being going away having fun with his friends and we're in the same city he doesn't even tell me that he's there I would only know that he went there like after the fact I already went home and then my my siblings would tell me oh yeah he was there so then, yeah, then I told my boss, like, this is not working. So I got to quit. So I quit that job again and I started a business. I know how to design program or if there's activities, I would do the, the design. Like for when I was still working, so I said, okay, I think I can make money out of this. So I did, I bought a photocopier, a computer and all that. And we started selling school supplies. Uh, we we have this this small space a storefront close to public schools so we're able to cater to their needs um it wasn't good in the beginning but then later on because we were the first with that kind of service and in, in this in that town we were able to make that bigger like it became and up until now so we started i think i started that in 2001 so it's been over 20 years now because until up until now, my brother is still running the business. And my younger, my other sister that used to live with us, she also got married and she moved to a different town. She also have the same business because we guided them. I feel really very good about that. And it like gives me warmth deep within that mm -hmm. seeing that they have a good life, a better life now compared to what our parents has left us with. And yeah, 
So we did that. And then this opportunity for the Vietnamese refugees to get resettled in a different country came up. Um, my husband so was one of that them. Is when you, that is when you decided to come to Canada, is it? Yeah, it's mainly because um, my husband still, they're still stateless in the Philippines. They can't get our legal citizens, even though they're married to a Filipino citizen, which is myself because of how the law was structured. So, so yeah, we got this uh, opportunity to come to Canada and we came here together as a family in 2008. We arrived in Canada with 800 Canadian dollars in our pocket. Like there's four of us. Uh, the, uh, my husband, our sponsor um, loaned us some money for the fare for fl flights, but we still have to pay them back. But although my husband's group are refugees, we came here not like the rest of the other refugees where they get support from the government because my husband's and like myself, we've been, we already have a life in the Philippines. The only reason why we have to move here is that because they don't have that status at any time the government could say, kick them out of the country. So it's just that's for, only for that uh, reason. So they were able to come here. But we, were, we came here as um, work class, working class classification. Like, yeah. It's called the uh, skilled, uh, yeah, skilled, skilled worker. Skilled yeah. worker. Yeah, yeah. yeah, skilled worker. <laughs> so we got here. We only rest like maybe three days and then started working. So my husband worked um, in, I think it's a concrete company, but he jumped a lot of places. And I started, I worked at a grocery, Asian groceries downtown for a few days and then that didn't last. And I worked at the, um, in a hotel as a housekeeper. So I did uh, cleaning, but this is despite I have a master's degree back in the Philippines. But yeah. we have to survive, right? We get, we came here. We only have eight hundred bucks. We don't have the thousands of dollars to bridge that gap. So then, I I did that, and then I said that my husband encouraged me, "You're not gonna do this. Like, you're not gonna do this forever." So I started talking to people, and then I got the chance to apply for um, financial support to get back to school here in Canada. So I did, I took the program in downtown. I'm not sure if you still remember uh, Academy of Learning. I'm not sure, I think they're still, they're still downtown. So I went to Academy of Learning. I took business administrations program, but while doing that, so I quit my job at a hotel, but doing that, I still need to help my husband support our, our okay. needs, right? While I still going to school. So, I did, I got this cleaning job. It's one of the building in Oliver Square. It's a condo building, it's under construction. So I was working there as a construction cleaner. So after the guys would finish one unit because it's a condo building, one unit I would clean up after them. That, that's what I do in the morning. And then in the afternoon I go to school. And then um, I, I continue doing that. I think my schooling was for 10 months. So I did that. And then after that, go home and take care of the kids and do that over again. So 
I was able to, to survive that. And then after I finished, I got my 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 paperwork. I approached the my boss from the cleaning job that I did in the construction, uh, the, the condo construction. So I told them like, yeah, I finished this school and I have this credentials from where I came from. And then my boss, the wife of my boss was so surprised. Oh, Vivian, you're so very well educated. I said, oh, I said yeah. But I understand that it's not, I can't be that when I come here. So I have to do this again. And um, yeah, they got me, they gave me the job in the office as like an office administrator. And uh, because they run, they have uh, seniors homes like all over the, uh, all over Canada. I think they have three locations. So. so this is when you transition to the construction side of business or? Uh, no, not this is just the beginning, not yet. So, <laughs> was like, she's like, just well, climbing, she's just climbing the ladder right now. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I worked there. Um, so my boss was an engineer, so he does uh project management. The wife is an interior designer, so they would design seniors care facilities and then my boss would do the project management part at the same time he also owns shares of the other seniors facilities but I wasn't very involved with the with his senior facilities I was more involved with his project management uh, business so I was doing that and there has both husband and wife shared office because we share it's an open concept um, office there's just like cubicles so you can hear them talking about design, about um, codes, about standards and all that. So I said, okay, if they need something, they would have to call the supplier and they still have to talk to the supplier, although they already have the design and all that because the suppliers would have the most recent, most recent guidelines or regulations, they're up to date. I did not like that much because the wife is so mean because I was, well, I was, working as in their office as a, and uh, the other staff, my other coworker takes care of the accounting part. And I got bored with what I was doing. Like, oh, this is like, I'm not challenged anymore. So I said, okay. And then I started asking her if there's anything I can help her with. And so she started showing me, giving me some tasks and said, oh, this is interesting. I think I'm gonna do accounting. So, um, <laughs> so I applied for student loan. I was granted student loan and I went to Nate, but I, I took uh, this continuing education at Nate. So you don't need to take the basic courses. They have the continuing education. So you go straight to the, the, the major courses. So that's what I did. I was, I went to, I was going to school in the evening. So I was working full time, taking care of my children. We only have one car. And then I went, I go to school in the evening. And then I did that for almost two years. No, I think one year, just over one year. No, because I quit from them just like after almost two years working for them, I quit. I said, because my boss ran out of project to run. My other, my only option would be working for the wife. I didn't like the wife because she's so mean and I would just like, I can't have <laughs> conflict. This is very stressful. I don't need any more stress in my life. So I said, okay, I just have to move on. And then I, I got another job as um, 
they they build cranes like uh, indoor cranes. But uh, my position there was um, still office admin, but I was taking care of payroll because it's a family family business. So wife and husband also works there. So I was taking care of payroll, the accounts payables, account receivables, and 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 all and everything. So I was doing that, and then um, same thing because if you have husband and wife working in the same office, like it's not a fun stuff because if they have issues, they'll bring it to work. So it's not a good envi working environment for me, like mentally. Um, so, but then, because I don't wanna screw up my resume, I stay there for one year, and after that. I just wanted to have my resume like Canadian experience, like it that looks good. So I did that. After one year, I looked for a job and applied. This this is now my transition to construction. So I found voice construction. Uh, they have posting for like accounts payables position. That's what I applied for. So I applied as uh, accounts payables, but then I did not get the job but I really wanted to move out of that current job. So I kept calling the HR who brought me in. I keep calling him, calling him every week, like, have you made a decision or and all that? If there's other position, then um, like, give me a try. Like, guess I really wanted to get out of that uh, working environment. And then, um, and then one day, the HR personnel finally told me that they already hired somebody else for the position. So that's not available anymore. But she said, if you want it, you can come by. We have another opening if you wanted to come and uh, for another interview, because this would be for a project site, for a job site, not the office work. I said, OK, I'll come in. I'll come in for an interview. So this is for a project administration position. So you'll be project based, not office based. Okay. So I went in and then I got the job. So my first uh, job in construction is, is that Esso refinery here in Edmonton. So that's so where that, I, So yeah. to the listeners out there, this is what perseverance can do to you, right? So it doesn't matter if you get a no, there is always something on the horizon. You just have to keep persevering, I guess. Yeah, because the, the worst thing you get is a no, right? If you get a yes, then good. If like you have nothing to start with anyway, so why not give it a try and see where that leads? Like, yeah. Yeah, now I, now I understand like uh, how your perseverance comes even while sending follow-up emails, you'll be like, Guys, a four-week look ahead. <laughs> oh, that, that is the nicer version, Bilal. <laughs> but let's let's dig a bit deeper into construction industry, right? So it's like mostly dominated by men. How did how did you take that? Like, was it easy at the start? <laughs> no, never easy. There's, life is easy. <laughs> So I started working in an off in a project site. I have a mindset that if this I do my job as if this is my last day on earth. So if this is my last day, how would I perform in the job that I have at hand? So I was just like doing the best I could, keep my head down, and then do what I can. And then uh, later on, my coworkers and my boss was able to see that. And they started to appreciate that. So 
that then started to like, um, they see me beyond my skin color, beyond my accent, because I was, I have something to offer and I don't speak unless I'm 110% sure that I am right and I, that I have something to back up my words. But that still doesn't, um, so they, they started to feel comfortable having me around. I worked there at Imperial Oil. This is actually Greg Jones's uh, first project below. I was with him. Mm -hmm. so, but before Greg started this project, I was working with the maintenance group, just like MSP. We have a contract, maintenance contract at Imperial Oil. So I was working there when Greg started his project inside the refinery. I moved, in, uh, I moved with Greg in that project. So I start from the start till the end. I was working uh, with him. And after that, um, I said I wanted to go to Fort McMurray because that project is finishing. So they sent me to Fort McMurray to work for ConocoPhillips. It's one of the um, Sormon to one of the refineries in Highway 881. I was, I didn't last, I didn't stay there for long though because um, my son was just going to high school, senior high. And then uh, I have troubles with children again. So I told my boss, like, I can't do this. I, can I move back to Edmonton? So I know that Greg's boss, the, the boss of my bosses wasn't happy that I asked, I asked to get to be assigned in Fort Mac and then I asked to be transferred again. I said, no, uh, my family is still more important to me than this job, so I'd rather go back. So they got me to move here in Edmonton. And um, Greg is also starting to work on that um, Kinder Morgan Rail Terminal project. There's a, if you drive on 17th Street, there's that big rail terminal, loading terminal. So we did the earthworks for that project. So I was there. I, so I started, sorry, I started as project administrator. When I left Imperial Oil after we finished a project with I finished a project with Greg, when I moved to Fort McMurray, I then became a project coordinator. That's how I transitioned from project admin to project coordinator. Because my superintendent then keeps telling Greg, like because Greg was new to the company as well. Um, my superintendent keeps saying, Oh, Vivian is doing better job than the other project coordinators I work with. Why don't you make her project coordinator? So, and he keeps doing that. And he was a good friend. He's a good friend of mine up, uh, up until now. So I went to Fort McMary in a project coordinator uh, capacity role and then moved back here with Greg, did that project for, I think, almost three years, the rail terminal job. So, yeah. And then there, you know how guys would be very demanding you know that below that they wanted something yesterday they told you today that they wanted that yesterday so you have to make sure that it's here right now because if you don't have the material equipment and the crew would be on standby and standby is per hour cost like it would cost them lots of money i was um i was doing that i would have arguments with the guys and then um but i How just those I just keep pushing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and also because um, I still wanted to to get better, and I was encouraged to go back to school. Uh, as a project coordinator, I still went to school at night. 
I did, um, I wanted to get, I still went to continuing education stream, continuing education program. They have this construction um, technology program. When I was doing that, I do, I did that on weekends. So I was working full-time Monday to Friday. I go to school Saturday and Sunday and then go do that again. So I said, uh, I'm not, I can't do this. And then I stopped the construction technologies program. I did not finish that. And I switched over to quality management certificate at Nate. So they have this quality management certificate, but they also have the, with that program, you have to take a construction a project leadership certificate. I learned a lot from the project leadership portion of the program. So, so I, and then I stepped up my position. I wanted, I told my boss that I wanted to get into the quality uh, portion. So I was doing the construction part, uh, the uh, project coordinator part role as like dealing with subcontractor, material supplier, billing, uh, LEMS, because we're doing LEMS and all that. Plus I started working on the quality portion. So I did the quality uh, because I can read drawings. Yeah. And I was doing that then until up until I quit the job and moved to Graham, I was doing everything from dealing with client uh, project controls and quality controls. One thing I've noticed that this is your third learning course that you've taken. Like you've been to uh, the Academy of Learning and then two times you've been to Nate. So that's Three something... times to Nate because I did construction first, construction technology, and I did not finish construction technology. I did oh, yeah. Quality, yeah, yeah. quality management. Wow. So it's been... <laughs> Yeah, so here you understood what, what are the challenges, like they need Canadian edu experience, they need Canadian education. So you worked on that, you understood that and you embraced it and you hustled to somehow go back to school so many times. Like I, for me, I think I'm just done. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm done. <laughs> I'm done schooling. <laughs> so at this point in time, life is good, you are all settled in in Canada, things are going up. How was uh, the, how is the next phase of your life uh, turning out to be? With Graham. Uh, with Graham. <laughs> with knowing me. <laughs> no, uh, work-wise, um, I'm happy with Graham right now. And I think I'll stick around until they let me go. If I, if I get laid off, I get fired. I will just like not, maybe not work. Just, but honestly, um, seriously, at this point of time of uh, my life, like, um, so my husband and I separated this early last year. We just grew apart. So our, our, our visions and our priorities doesn't align anymore. So we just decided to, he decided to do his own thing and I'll be doing my own thing. So at this point of my life, I would just like, I wanted to start from the beginning, like from clean slate. So I'm going to, we're planning to sell this house and we'll split the proceeds. I enjoy working for Graham because I like to be challenged. I like this kind of work environment where you're not confined in one area. So once the project is finished, you bump or move to a different project. You'll face a different, different set of challenges. So I think um, that's what keeps me going. Because my kids are already older, 
they're grown up, they don't need me anymore. <laughs> like sometimes you have that emptiness that you wanted to be needed. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you achieve. At the end of the day, never forget your roots. That's the lesson I'm drawing from that. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. broke all stereotypes, like all stereotypes in the construction industry. And in Canada, you've been breaking stereotypes, like from race to age to gender to everything. You just flattened it out. Yeah. And I think the the only thing, I think everyone can do that. Everybody can do that as long as you know your core values and you know exactly what you wanted and you don't get swayed by what people, how people treat you and how they look at you. As long as you know who you are and you stand your ground and you don't get swayed by whatever pressure you have around you. I think that's just the most important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I think you're really good with giving lessons. So, Harsha, do we move on to some fishing lessons? <laughs> okay. I think it's that's a great point to move into our fishing lessons. So, we have a segment in our podcast where we talk about different aspects that have helped our guests over the years. Uh, these will be practically applicable, applicable things that they have done over the years, right? And that have positively impacted the way they ha- they look at life and uh, way they operate in life. So what would those one or two fishing lessons be for you? I actually have two. The first one that I just recalled that, that I used to even when I was younger, I think that's one of the my guiding principle, is that you have to develop a dogged or a firm determination to follow your goal regardless of what other people say, think, or do. So if you have that in your mind, that this is my goal, this is my target, you just have to be persistent. It doesn't matter what other people think, say, or do. This is your goal. So you just keep pushing and you keep going. And then um, the second guiding thoughts principle that I have is that if there is righteousness in the heart, there will be beauty in the character. If there's beauty in the character, there will be harmony in the home. If there's harmony in the home, there will be order in the nation. When there is order in the nation, there will be peace in the world. Wow. That's some next level stuff. That's Thank a, you so much for that. that. Is, that's, a, that's a mic drop moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for those lessons. Like, there's so much to unpack uh, with this podcast, right? So, we learned so many things that we we have to keep learning over the years as we grow. We have to learn to never give up, always persevere, and then just treat people right. I think that is what we learned from this podcast. I don't know. This whole podcast was like a huge fishing lesson uh, segment. We're just learning from uh, Vivian nonstop from the start. It's just a huge fishing lesson segment, I guess. Thank you. I'm glad that I was able to like impart something like I hope that would inspire you guys to because you're still young. You still have lots of years to go. And I hope that um, you learn something from me that you're already at the advantage position because like you don't have to go through what I have to go through because you're already up there you just have to keep pushing boundaries and know what 
your real core values is and stand with that and yeah and set your own boundaries make sure that you get what you wanted without having to hurt other people on a ending note uh, i'm going to ask a more personal question feel free to not answer it if you don't want to uh, over you have been uh, in a relationship and been married for a very long time so what are your thoughts on what makes a good relationship um i first and foremost um is that you have to have the same core values your values has to align because that that's who we truly are we, we can tell people this is what we are we can say we can pretend that we are not somebody who's that but at the end of the day when you go to bed that's that your core values is the only thing that you have within you and it's not something that you learned in the past 5 years or 10 years of your life that's how your parents raised you that's how the adults when you were growing up taught you so that's there deep within you so if you find somebody who has the same core values um that would push you because me and my husband we struggled so much but we still been we we survived all those struggles but we just get to a point now where um we are we have different priorities like he's happy with her with where he's at and trying to enjoy the life that i have our kids are grown up now so they they're able to they don't need us to provide them with the things that we used to provide them when they were little but if they need us we will always be there for them the reason why we split up to me is because we lose track of cultivating that relationship like we started to have different uh, directions and um i never i was a very submissive wife i just do everything that i was told to do that's what kept i guess us together for 24 years but then i get to a point where i wanted to do something for myself because i've done so much sacrifice for the family and for them now that my kids are older they don't need me anymore i wanted to do something for myself so i can be proud that one day when i pass away or my deathbed i could say yeah i did that uh but i can't do that if i stay here in edmonton and keep doing what what i was doing then so when i got this offer from gram i grabbed it because i wanted that challenge i wanted to be part of a bigger project that one day on my deathbed i can say yeah that project i was one of those guys that were there so things like that and then uh he's not there it's not something that he wanted he wanted something different so but i still stood up again this is what i believed in and this is what i wanted to do so i sacrificed my i guess my 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 marriage became the collateral damage of me making this decision to to move to this path that's that's my side of the story my story i don't know what his side of the story is and that's his as long as like we're not we didn't fight when we were together we were very good together like even when we split up there's no hurtful words no i guess abuse or no nothing is just friendly or amicable decision to like yeah we part our ways but 
I guess if you look into long-term relationship, I think you have to be always aligned with your values cool. and what you wanted to do to move forward. I think those those points are very really uh, great and a great point to end on, right? So thank you so much again, Vivian, for being on the podcast. We loved the lesson that that you shared, especially the fishing lessons. I think those were incredible. And uh, we look to know where you move on from here, what kind of journeys you experience from here. We would love to hear them again on our podcast. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. And thank you for those special fishing lessons for all singles. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. To know more about our guest, follow them on their social media. The handles are in the description. For more inspirational stories, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast.